0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special vacation edition of Getting Hammered. I don't know why I keep saying vacation. I feel like that makes it feel more glamorous to me.
1: It's like you're on the French Riviera.
0: Yes, I'm not on the French Riviera, but I am going to Italy. So I have a long plane trip ahead of me and some relaxation time monopolized by no children. So I'm coming to my co-host, Vic Mattis, here on Getting Hammered to ask him... As the well-read editor of The Weekend Beacon, which That's deals fun. with the, the culture and the arts, what should I be consuming while I'm on my vacation? I have this precious time before me, either on video on the plane or reading a book poolside.
1: Ciao, Mary Catherine. That's the first thing I was going to say. I feel like the, the guy that gets on the, the TV, on the news, and he does the travel tips, the travel tips guy about, like, baggage and things like that. Okay, so this is on Summer Reads. You know, it's always very light. So this is, the, this is about Summer Reads. But here's the thing. You're going on maybe, maybe like a seven-hour flight or something like that, a yeah. seven, eight-hour flight. It, it, it's long because you got to cut through the midsection of the globe. Do you like watching the movies or do you try to be like, I'm just going to, I'm really going to get to finish whatever book I'm reading right now and not look, or do you end up watching like four
0: movies? So I do end up usually watching movies on planes and weirdly I use, I I use plane trips to watch pretty bad movies and maybe that's a mistake, but I just feel like this is, this is fake time, right? Like this is the time to watch a rebel wilson rom-com spoof yes right versus That's,
1: something too heavy yes you and so
0: see. i use it for those sort of locale very not not, not heady no, you want to
1: relax yourself yes i i remember going i was on a plane once and this was when there was limited like the movie selection was this is what we're showing and you could watch it or not and so the movie was mr holland's opus and it is after the the student who goes to Vietnam and dies, right? And you look, at and all of a sudden you heard the whole plane like sniffling, Aww. and crying. And I was like, really?
0: See, see uh, we don't have this is this is what our society is losing, Vic. Yes, that no, it, communal it a moment.
1: Communal moment. When I I was in second grade, and uh, we flew to the Philippines on Japan Airlines. And they showed the movie nine to five starring, you know, (laughs) you know, uh, uh, Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin, Dolly Parton and and the great, the great Dabney Coleman. And I remember everyone laughing on the plane, but also I even as a second grader, I sympathized with Dabney Coleman.
0: Look, I did not think of him as the bad guy. That movie has a lot going on. If you rewatch it. Yes. First of all, the sort of like casual sexual harassment and sexism is insane. <laughs> oh, yeah. and and also <laughs> he's so
1: good though. He's so good. Yeah. And
0: also kidnapping him and holding him hostage for a long period of time is yeah. also insane.
1: Yeah, yeah. Speaking and he, of
0: indictments, that that one. Yeah, I, be I
1: know good. that one was nuts. Okay, and the only reason why he doesn't press charges in the end is because he gets promoted. By his boss, Sterling Hayden. Okay. that
0: is how the patriarchy works, everyone. That's how it works, <laughs>
1: as you know. That's right. <laughs> okay, so the funny thing for me about summer reads is I do like to have a book, but a lot of the times, and I'm going to the beach in a couple of weeks, and I'm looking forward to this time where I go to the beach. I'll actually like, you know what I like? Re- I like reading newspapers, and Look at so you. I do, and so I like actual print. The dead tree. So I save. You know, newspapers, like sections of the Wall Street Journal, for example, that I want to get to. But I just never get to for, because week to week, we're always busy doing things. Okay, you know? Can I really?
0: please just gather up all the old Saturday Wall Street journals that That's I never read no. from, and it's from my garage? So good. And then I'm going to put them in a purse like a crazy bag lady and go through the <laughs> security oh line with uh, my bundle of Wall Street Journal actual paper versions. They're going to be like, ma'am, right. I cannot L- come through L- L- here. Look,
1: L- I have it all here. Mary Catherine, I'm showing you. Uh, you can't see this on the video, but I got a stacks. Look at this. He has an stacks actual newspaper. bag. This is what's crazy. This is what's crazy. I actually wrote a note here that says in bold, I'm pretty much like a bag lady. So I literally echoed everything you just said because the, the review section is great. The mansion section is great. Well, and if you need a blanket on is, a
0: park bench, you're set.
1: That's it. And sometimes I'll bring with me, I have a, I bought this during COVID, an enormous book of the New York Times crossword puzzles broken up to easy, medium, and difficult. And I don't progress on to the next one until I complete it. Whether or not I got it right, I have to complete See,
0: it. I'm not really- a That's brain, what I have. I'm that's, a, what I have. I'm a, that's what I have. I'm not a brain teaser mean. person. I don't like- Crosswords. I oh, you're not? Like you don't do that? Goos. I don't do that. Yeah, any how about the that?
1: jumble? Do you?
0: Ha, no, I've never played Wordle. I'm out on all of them. Oh,
1: Wordle is good. Quartle is even better. And World Dull, which is you, geography, which is also very exciting for books, though. Let me get to books. So, as you mentioned, I am the arts and culture editor at the Washington Free Beacon. I am myself in the middle of reading a book. It's, it's an oldie, but I uh, guess a goodie. John Updike's Rabbit Run. It takes place, and he wrote it in, it, it, was, it came out in 1960, so he basically wrote it in 1959. It's weird. You know, Updike has, the, the descriptions are so vivid, but there's a downside to this, which is his description of the, the protagonist having this affair with a not-so-attractive woman. It's extremely detailed. And more mm-hmm. detail than you want, so that's that's one problem. But he's also like this husband and father, Rabbit Angstrom. He suffers, he suffers a midlife crisis and runs away from the family and cheats on his wife and things like that. But because it's 1959, this guy with a midlife crisis is 26.
0: Oh my gosh!
1: That's really okay. So. I'm in the middle of I'm in the middle of Rabbit Run. I had just finished Joan Didion slouching towards Bethlehem. She's great, uh, and she had written, of course, the White Album, The Year of Magical Thinking, which is a great book on grief, by the way. And Evelyn Macdonald has a book coming out, I think, in the fall of the world, according to Joan Didion, which I'm having reviewed. Oh, cool. So I'm going to mention that. The other thing is, for beach reads, I don't want to mention or recommend anything that's heavy, like a massive tome. And we've reviewed some really interesting books in the weekend beacon like calder walton's book on spies which was reviewed by Ruel, correct that is not a beach read all i can think about mary Catherine is do you remember at the end of the 20th century all the lists that came out best movies of the century best songs of the century best tv shows and do you remember best books of the century and the, the the number one book of the of the 20th century no what was it it was james joyce's ulysses oh really So everybody was talking about Ulysses and the great thing was our cartoonist at the standard and he was a cartoonist for the New Yorker, Peter Steiner. He did a cartoon for us that we ran and it's it's, it's a drawing of a man. Laying down on a beach with the book covering his face, and the book was Ulysses. Because, I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> That's here, where I'd be know? on
0: vacation. Yes. Yeah,
1: I know. We're not, so I'm not going to recommend Ulysses or any of these massive tomes and anything too academic. Okay. So here's what I got for you. Okay. But it is still kind of books that I'm interested in. Kate would have a different set of books. Gotcha. I'm just going to say, my wife, Kate, would have it. It would be like the, you know, what is it? The Potato Peel Club. Right of that takes place in that island off of England in the war, you know that thing. See, okay, so yeah, I'm just
0: gonna have to text Cate as well, well, so I can just get both sides. The,
1: do you like that? That's my. That's the best I can do. Is the potato peel club? I forget that. They're screaming at me. She's screaming at me right now because I'm not getting it right. Or you know where honestly, the crawdads, sounds- while the craw, where the crawdads, you yes. know, live.
0: The potato yes. peel club sounds like something I would enjoy, honestly.
1: Yeah, no, I think you'd like it. It's a favorite of my mother-in-law's. You know,
0: <laughs> writing it down. Okay, now onto your list. Okay,
1: okay, now onto the list. David Gran is one of the great, I think, writers of our time, and he did some work for us at the Weekly Standard, and he is at The New Yorker. Okay, He wrote the books The Lost City of Z and Killers of the Flower Moon, which is going to be a movie with Leo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro, directed by uh, Martin Scorsese. And I would love to read Killers of the Flower Moon. I have not. Check out the trailer. It's fascinating. The story is fascinating. But David Gran has a new book out called The Wager, and it has to do with a 1742 shipwreck. And mutiny. Okay, and there are competing stories of mutineers accusing each other of having been the mutineers. And of course, there's a trial, and whoever gets found guilty, they get hanged. Yes, you know, so life and death is on the line. And it is a true story. I was excited to have this book review. This is a funny story. So I got our one of my favorite, you know, reviewers in office is Carl Salzman, an assistant editor. Uh, He lives in Long Island. I said, Carl, why don't you review uh, this book, uh, The Wager? I think it'll be really interesting. I do not, as an arts and culture book editor, tell reviewers what to say. Right. So I may think that they might like it, but if they don't, well, then they don't. Well, it turns out Carl was not the biggest fan of the wager, Right. but I'm not tampering with it. I said, just, you know, I'm going to run it up. The Irving Crystal School of Editing, you can take things out, but don't put anything in, you know, <laughs> so did that. Ran it. It was kind of a middling review, and then David Grant sends me a note like, "Yeah, thanks a lot." You know? So I was like, "Sorry, you know," but I stand my ground. This is how I am. Is you a know, very this is ethical.
0: Yes, ethical, ethical, ethical editing. Editor. There you go. I
1: will tell. I will tell you something though. What a, a book that Carl Salzman really did like is one that came out a year or two ago called "The Lost Boys of Montauk" by Amanda Fairbanks, and it's about this four man crew who was a father of several boys. They left Long Island in March 1984, and they never came back. Oh, wow. And it's a really interesting story. It's sad. It's powerful. It's moving. But it's more than just the disappearance. It also has to do, it's a snapshot of Long Island in the early 1980s as things were beginning to change and the Hamptons were becoming this place, right? right?
0: Oh, that's interesting. And it was
1: like, it was otherwise before it was like a working class, a, a large chunk of that island, and parts of it still are, very working class. But this was happening at the time. It's the 80s. I think that's very interesting. It reminds me of a book that I read. Obviously, this came out some time ago, Sebastian Younger's The Perfect Storm, which is a great book and an easy, fast read. I also read Lin- Linda Greenlaw's The Hungry Ocean. I recommend that. There's a great little tip in that book. She I do was the like
0: first... the theme that I'm going to go sit by the sea I know. and read about how the sea <laughs> and, will kill me.
1: Like... That's exactly right. I like doing that, you know, just to <laughs> put me a little bit on edge.
0: <laughs> I, think uh, I should read about some Italian fascism. Well, minute, no, I, maybe
1: yes. That's right. There's a there's a good book that Chris Caldwell re- reviewed on Mussolini. I'll <laughs> I'll, re- I'll recommend that one. The Hungry Ocean, by the way, has a there's a, she. Linda Greenlaw became the first female swordfish captain, and you know, you're, oh cool. You're, you're, and, and you're out at we, at sea for weeks, right? So the amount that you spend on food and everything, and you got to keep everybody in order. She learned this trick from a captain that she had served under, and he told her. And I'll just use his terms, which is how he said it, is sometimes the captain has to be the asshole Mm. is the way he put it, because it directs everybody's negative energy on in in a confined space to you versus each other. And the last thing you want is a crew fighting each other, which is a very bad thing. Not to the point of mutiny, mind you, but as long as people like, oh, I hate that guy. You all have this in common that we all this
0: is Steve and I had so many children so that we can unite them as a team against us. (laughs)
1: Against you. Against you both. Okay, okay. All right. Now, I want to turn to pop culture. Well, I, want, uh, I,
0: I will say, oh, yeah. I like I like the historical fiction-ish yeah. bent here. That's mm-hmm. that's something mm-hmm. I'm into. Yes. Yes. And I, I recently read... Have you read any Amor Tolls? No, he wrote, I have not. He wrote A Gentleman in Moscow, which was okay. acclaimed. And I just finished The Rules of Civility, which is a sort of 1920s set Manhattan story. And it's fantastic. And my... Ooh. My main thing I'm looking for when I'm when I'm looking for stuff to read, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, is if it is written well, I'm in. Right. And there's yes. a lot there's a lot of beach reads you can get that are terribly written. <laughs> and I I am a bit of a snob when it comes to that. Like I can't I have oh, trouble no, I, mean, I have trouble just letting go and saying like no, I'm gonna read this, you know, serial whatever it is that, that-
1: I would dare you, Mary Catherine, to be seen in public in Italy reading Eat Pray Love.
0: I, know, <laughs> I just no, wanna have you. a
1: I wanna have a photo of you reading Eat Pray Love. <gasps> you know, or what is yes. it, my villa in Tuscany? Is that the other oh, one? Yes, you know, the I Tuscany mean, one. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you know, under I mean the, that would under be under
0: the Tuscan
1: Under the Tuscan sun, sun, Yes. on the nose. It's oh, the Oh, so on the nose. Okay, so, so I won't do that.
0: that. But Amritol's is a great writer, and he Michael Chabon is another of my favorites. Oh, yeah. Where these two guys, I don't care who they're writing about, what they're writing about. I don't even care if I like the characters. I will read every word because it is written so well. And annoyingly, annoyingly, I would like to say that Amritol's was a successful investment banker before he was a great novelist. And I find that combination of talents to be annoying like leave some for the rest of us like i'm a creative and it's all i have
1: isn't one enough (laughs) you know that amazes me with you know one of our reviewers dominic green who writes a lot he's a columnist as well for the wall street journal he's like a historian with the you know the british royal society and he's also an accomplished and live performing jazz guitarist
0: come on now
1: Give me something, yeah. you know what I mean? Really, both? So he writes on just a, a broad array of subjects. Okay, I was going to mention for pop culture, yeah. one of my contributors, a fellow named Sonny Bunch, he just reviewed for me Nick DeSemlian's uh, book, Last Action Heroes, and it's about the rise of the 1980s action megastars. Ooh, I think I would Sylvester like Stallone, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Bruce Willis, very, very gossipy, including Steven Seagal, shockingly, does not come off so well. <laughs> In this book, where yes. a, 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 the, the the story was that his stuntman leveled him, so we I don't you know that's that's the story. If you're into music, Christopher Scalia, he loved this. He's a classic rock guy, also a, a scholar at the American Enterprise Institute. He recommends a book, "Quantum Criminals: Ramblers, Wild Gamblers, and Other Soul Survivors from the Songs of Steely Dan," okay, by Alex Papadimus and Joan LeMay. That's a very contentious book. It's a contentious <laughs> issue because I think people either really, really love Steely Dan or they hate it with the fire of a thousand suns.
0: I like Steely Dan. So I'm, you do. I'm in that camp. Two, I was going to, since you were mentioning more pop culture, two things that yeah. I've, I've had on my list for a while what that do I you need got? To, to read. Actually, this one's been on my list for a while. The other one's a new book. Mel Brooks's memoir.
1: Oh, right. I need, you
0: like that. I need to okay. check this out. And then the other one, <laughs> John Stamos just wrote a memoir.
1: Oh, I bet that's And
0: I feel like I need to read that one as well. I also wanted to impart to you this important knowledge, Vic, mm-hmm. since, you know, we're talking about books, but we're also talking about streaming. And I would just like to. Yeah, of course. I would just like to commend to everyone a series called Steven Seagal Lawman. It is. Oh. No, I'm just it's on it was on A&E for two seasons, and switched got picked up by someone else for a third. You told me this is insane. It is this insane. This is an insane... It okay. stars... It's a reality TV series. It stars actor and martial artist and musician, apparently as a musician as well, Steven Seagal, performing his duties as a reserve deputy sheriff in Jefferson Parish, Louisiana, and then in Maricopa County, Arizona, in season three. It is wild, y'all. He just rides along looking like Steven Seagal not dressed for the part or anything just looking like Steven Seagal he rides along with these local Louisiana sheriff's deputies to arrest people who are like driving drunk or whatever it is disorderly conduct because you know there's a lot of drinking in Louisiana and uh he comes across these good old boys and the funny thing about it is that he's not terrible to them. Like you would think this would be a show you'd watch where it'd be like, oh, hard justice. And he's like yeah. knocking heads together and being probably problematic right. for civil liberties. And really he's just like, man, look, you need to not drive drunk anymore. Can we give you a ride to your house and you promise not to leave again? That's, that those are the encounters that Steven Seagal has.
1: You said that it's an, a number, of like a lot of episodes, these people sometimes have no idea who he is.
0: No, they're just like, oh, who's the guy wearing a black robe, robe-like robe right, Right, right. Straight
1: from the, who's the guy straight from the dojo? Yeah, <laughs> no, it, what, what is he it's doing? It's
0: wild. Like the concept is wild. The interactions are wild and sort of heartwarming. So anyone, anyway, Steven Seagal, Lawman. Okay, that's a thing you good. can watch. On good. a plane, maybe. Okay.
1: Good. All right. There is, by the way, when I mentioned pop culture and Nick DeSemlin's book, Last Action Heroes, my other colleague, Aaron Harrison recommends a book. This is, came out in the late 1990s and it's called High Concept by Charles Fleming. And it's about Don Simpson of the Simpson-Bruckheimer-Hollywood partnership. Simpson was a wild man. I remember reading the big profile on him in the Wall Street Journal in 1995, 1996. And it is Hollywood-like everything. Hmm. The cocaine, the hawkers, And it's real. It's like it's, it's it was out of control. And, of course, Don Simpson's no longer, no, no longer with us. Shocking. Right. And then, just to go back, you were talking about being a fan of Steely Dan. Christopher Scalia had a funny line in his review that he says he understands why some people are uneasy because it, they veer dangerously close to cool jazz.
0: It's true. It's true. It,
1: it's it's weird. I mean, it's not again, it's not Michael McDonald, Doobie Brothers, but it's still in that area. I'm, Interesting I'm pretty stuff, here for and it. really, I find it yes. very soothing. <laughs> Well, what's interesting is I, apparently, you know, the lyrics versus the music. I mean, there's a general rule that you can pair up, you know, ominous sounding music with happy lyrics or happy music right. with ominous lyrics. And that, I think Steely Dan's definitely the latter with some creepy stuff. But interesting. Our friend Matt, here's something. Our friend Matt Lewis, mm-hmm. who also has rev- uh, reviewed for us, he recommends Dave Barry's latest novel, Swamp Story. Oh, that would be a fun takes- one takes place in Florida. It's not really politics at all, but it's a crazy story. Fitting for our times, obviously. And I do want to add also Rob Long, the great Rob Long, I had, since of course he was involved in TV shows like Cheers and Frasier and Mad About You and and, and Friends. Oh, um, golden era. uh, The golden era. And he reviewed a book called Music for Prime Time a History of American Television, Themes and Scoring by oh, John Burlingame. I would really it,
0: enjoy that one. That's no,
1: and you can, you can flip around. So it's not like you have to read from the beginning to the end. And it's like you think about any of the songs that you were very fond of and you want to know the backstory. I love that. This book, that book has it.
0: Love That it. book has Okay, it. I'm going to, I'm for sure going to look
1: that one up. Um, Good. Well, so did you, do you already have some books with you that you're planning to read. Well,
0: sometimes I'll load up the ones that I've been meaning to finish, right? <laughs> so sure. I have a I, I have a couple of those. Also you have to, you know, be wary of how much weight in books you're carrying. So and look, yes. I bought myself a Kindle not very long ago.
1: I don't ha- I don't read I don't use one. I can't. I don't do it. like it no, rolled.
0: Like I bought myself one to be uh efficient when I went on a vacation last year. But I don't enjoy reading on a Kindle. So then I don't read that much. And now I've already lost it. So it's Okay. That's right. yeah. that's so, out the know. window. So I was thinking about finishing up a few, but I do like more like a fictional pop, pop culture thing. And generally my list of two reads is too newsy for vacation, right? Like let's, let's, let's move to a different area, is what I'm saying. No, attempting I to you know, do.
1: you want to take a you do want to take, a, uh, to a certain extent, a break from what is happening every single waking hour, because that's what we do yes. for a living. I read. You um, know? And you, when you go on vacation, I want you to go on vacation.
0: Yes. I recently read Artemis, which is another novel by the guy who wrote The Martian. Yes. That was a fun yes. one. And <laughs> this is a weird one. But I just read The Secret Garden because. Oh, really? Speaking, hey. of, speaking of books that I did not finish. This was mm-hmm. one that I rarely don't finish a book. Like I, I generally start mm-hmm. and finish each book mm-hmm. that I read. Mm-hmm. As a kid, for some reason, I never finished The Secret Garden. And I remember kind of ne- being charmed by the whole concept mm-hmm. and for some reason, maybe went on vacation, maybe I lost the book, I don't remember what happened. <laughs> and so my kid got it as a present. And I said, you know what, I finished The Secret Garden. And great book, of course it's a classic, it's, it's magical with a little bit of problematic stuff at the beginning about India and colonialism. But it is a very good book. And so sometimes I do like to go back to old classics that I either haven't covered or I remember from my youth. So I may do a little of that. Over the pandemic I wonder I remember I read some Dickens because I love Dickens actually. But there were several books I hadn't read. And I was like, well, while we're sitting at home, I guess I'll read Great Expectations. (laughs)
1: Good for you. You know, my son just finished reading that for his class, and I'm envious because we didn't read any Dickens in high school. Isn't that something? Really not? No, it's it's it it, it it's terrible. dickinson's uh, is so clever. I did, He's so I funny. Did read, He's
0: underrated did, in that way.
1: I did read The Color Purple. Well, yeah, by Alice Walker. I wrote my AP essay on it and aced it because let me tell there you you go. That book has a lot of interesting
0: stuff. Oh my in. goodness. Okay. Bullshit. No, uh, I was going to
1: say congratulations for getting through The Secret Garden. You might want to bring something else, like Charlotte's Web.
0: Actually, it's if funny you... that you say that because I'm reading that to the girls <laughs> no, right now.
1: Oh, do you? Kate cries every time she, you know, she's read that to our our kids, and she. I remember my second grade teacher, Mrs. Miller, Miss Miller. She cried at that. That always brings out the tears. Yeah, so this is
0: a this is me. a core memory of mine. Was my mother reading Charlotte's Web to me when I was about? Probably, I know which house mm-hmm. we were in, so I must have been four or five, maybe just yeah. turned five. And I, as children are wont to do, was not as emotionally invested in the story as she was because I'm four years old. And she cried at the end, and I found that so odd and sort of like, odd. you know, because it's your like parents you're, you're,
1: to see your to see your parent cry. Is and a I thought, weird thing. oh my gosh,
0: like, and it 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 made an impact on me about the book and about the power of books. And and yeah. I was just sitting there like, that's right, the power must, of books. must puzzle this out I remember being sad about it, but not to the extent that she was. And now I'm prepared for reading it to my kids. I'm going to get to the end and be a total mess.
1: (laughs) No, you know, I mean, this was one of the great things about having gone up to uh, several years ago. We visited our friends, the Messengers and the Eastlands and uh, the Messengers. They live in Blue Hill, which is, you know, that's E.B. White country up there. Yeah. And people can travel and see all the different places that he mentions, even in Charlotte's Web and, uh, and and things like that. You mentioned really briefly, and here's a book that is too heavy for a beach read, but I do want to mention it because uh, you were just talking about colonialism. This is out now, so when you're listening to this, it's in the latest Weekend Beacon. Uh, Douglas Murray, the great Douglas mm-hmm. Murray, is he reviewed for us a book called "Colonialism: A Moral Reckoning" by Nigel Bigar. and it is about you know what? Can we first of all, this isn't about how empire is all great. We get that there were terrible things. On the other hand. Can we even talk about some of the upsides of empire, particularly the British Empire? Kamala's about to fly
0: to your house. Yeah, no. Kamala's going to fly to your house and have a word about this. And lecture me
1: about the book she didn't read. And it's a great review and it sounds like a really interesting book. So check that out as well. I like it. Um, that 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 that's what I got. So no crosswords or no world or anything like nah, that.
0: Yeah, I think you know some some what? dumb movies and dumb streaming on the plane, and then some more what? edifying reads once I get. There.
1: What about what about your husband? What what how what is he? So doing?
0: he is extremely well read in the audiobook realm. For this reason, oh, I, I I
1: don't do audiobooks. Well,
0: I I like audiobooks. I kind of I kind of split between audiobooks and but as as okay. part of his job for many years, which re- required a lot of standing around surveilling the scene. Yes. He, yes. he listened to audiobooks while he did that. So it was near constant rotation of audiobooks. So he's got this Audible account with a embarrassing to the rest of us number of hours that he's read. Wow. So right now I believe he's reading Bill Barr's book, yeah. One Damn Thing After Another. One damn, yep. And he recommended that one to me. But he reads a lot of apocalypse fiction. and oh, yeah. that World War Z. So that, yeah. a lot of them are good, but they're stressful. So I have, to, yes. I have to be careful when I read those. Because if, for instance, he wanted me to start one right before we went on this trip. And I'm like, look, we're leaving our kids with somebody else. I'm going trying to relax. I can't read an apocalypse book right before I leave. I can't do that.
1: Yeah, no, don't read anything about abduction or anything <laughs> like that. But, you know, a friend of mine, a friend of mine in law enforcement was a huge fan of the audio book of World War Z.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Says it's amazing. A lot of audio so, books
0: are truly great performances. Yeah, so yeah. there's that. So yeah, that, that's, okay. that's his, his realm. He does a lot of historical fiction. Oh, the other book I downloaded on audio recently because we watched The Pacific.
1: Was with the old breed? Yes, no?
0: correct. Aha. Thank you. Uh-huh.
1: You're welcome. The by old, Sledge. Yes, by oh, what's famous marine. Yeah, yeah, an amazing book.
0: Eugene Sledge. So Eugene I downloaded Sledge. that one. So I'll probably listen to that one, which not light, but great reading. No,
1: no. but it's, it's actually not a it's not a big book right either. So I mean, it's manageable with vivid, obviously, you know, vivid accounts of, of what happened. But again, you don't want to be carrying anything because it it almost is like self defeating if you're driving trying to bring a giant book and you want to, you know, I mean, the book reading is it's part of the vacation, but it's not supposed to consume the vacation. No, you no, know? but I mean, I you got to look around. I know. I do to like really to absorb. take my
0: moments though, when oh. there are no kids around. Cause I did find, I went, I went on a one day trip to Chicago and I finished about half of Matthew Continetti's the right, just, Oh sure. Just touring the city and sitting down and reading for a while because I didn't have anything else to do. And it was a magical, it was a magical time during which yes. I efficiently read about half of his very good book about the history of the right. So now I'm now, much Now smarter in about
1: paperback, it. it's now in paperback with a new forward, and I must say again, it was very well edited. Yes. <laughs> in- including the new forward. <laughs> huge, it was very well edited.
0: Huge, huge props to whoever wisely edited it. <laughs> whoever it, it is. Um, very clean I also copy. have our friend Jamie Kerchick's The Secret City.
1: Oh, which yeah. came
0: out last year, and I read half of it last year and now need to revisit and finish it because it's very good. And uh, I also just was pregnant and then had a baby. So I didn't finish it. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, that's under. You, you, you have a good excuse. That was also reviewed in The Weekend Beacon by Douglas Murray. I, I think the most interesting thing about the, the Secret City the history of gay DC is, you know, not that they, there were all these, you know, high ranking officials right. who happened to be gay, but rather that in that time, it was all about being blackmailed. Right. Right. I mean, it's just being things, you know, this is how you can get compromised. Right.
0: I don't think people get compromises anymore. We live in a shameless society, so there's no. Yeah, you know, it's other it's, it's stuff, In some man. ways, we're just more tolerant, yeah. but in some ways, yeah, we're just, yeah, yeah. nobody yeah, 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 is ashamed yeah. of anything. Yeah, just Yeah, exactly.
1: Okay. <laughs> Any other thoughts?
0: Oh, I was going to mention a couple things I'm watching this summer. Yes. <clears throat> we haven't done much of that. By the way, I just would like to tell everybody, and for some, it's going to feel like a confessional, and that I should be ashamed, and for others, they'll be like, oh, interesting, I saw the Barbie movie. I did. Oh, right. I did. And I will not force you to talk about it, Vic, nor to see it. But I, I went. Here's the thing. I did, I did misunderstand the Barbie movie because I thought, why are they making this not a kid's movie? That doesn't make any sense. You're eliminating this whole part of your audience. Right. Because my 10-year-old would love to go see a Barbie movie. But I knew it wasn't for her. And, okay. and then I realized, oh, when all of my friends invited me to dress up as a Barbie type. Wow. And go see the film. I thought, I don't even care about this film, but I do want to dress up as a Barbie type.
1: And that's what's brought people in.
0: It's like you give give millennial women a chance to do a theme night and have a pink cocktail and go to a dang movie. They will do it.
1: Were there any kids in the
0: theater? Not really at my showing. and It it wasn't a late one. Now, I've seen people take their 10 through 15. 13 year olds to yes
1: the movie. i was going to say my daughter just saw it yesterday
0: yeah i think and she said in, it was amazing she's in she an said age it was, range. Well,
1: she's in that age yeah, yeah
0: she's in an age range that can handle that i a lot of it will go over the kids heads but i okay but you and it looks great and it's it has all the fun fashion that they want to see and the and the barbie dream house Got is it. brought to life and all of that is really cool so they'll they'll really like that part i know with my kids I would have to have a pretty in-depth conversation about what patriarchy means when we get home. (laughs) And I just thought, I'm not sure that I want to do that right this second.
1: Does it beat you over the head?
0: Oh, yes. So that's my complaint about it, is that it it looks great. Margot Robbie is winning. Ryan Gosling is amazing. Somewhat, ironically, the movie could not work except for the not really leading man's performance which is yep. absurd and he embraces it and he has an actual arc because he goes from you know right like nothing character to self-actualization to wondering about his new bro persona like it's a very interesting thing her arc not not as interesting and it just it's like they can't help but hit you over the head with the messages i also would have taken about 20 minutes off of it
1: that's how I feel about many movies, by the way. As you know, I have a history of complaining about
0: But this. there there are many upsides. And look, I think it did, it. you have to hand it to Greta Gerwick, who's the director, because after I came out of the theater, I was like, I need to talk to someone about what I think about this movie, because it's complicated. Oh. And yeah. the things that she's saying are like many things at once and contradictory. Yeah. And also, it's just all serving Mattel, which is ironic because. Oh,
1: yeah, right. <laughs> At the end of the day, they're going to be selling.
0: But and then I found myself in agreement with the nation's review of all reviews Ooh. of this movie almost entirely and sort of in agreement with our friend Sonny Bunch's review, except that I would not have had Will Ferrell in the movie at all. And he enjoyed it.
1: I heard about it. Yeah. OK, yeah. you know what? So I'm not seeing that. I think I'm finally going to return to a movie theater for the first time since last December when I stopped seeing movies. And I think it's going to be for Oppenheimer.
0: Ah, oh, there you go. Uh, I want to see I'll that too. You, I just haven't it in.
1: I'll tell yet. you why, because two people told me how much they really enjoyed the movie. One, of course, was reviewed in The Weekend Beacon, John Podhoritz, who says one of the best epics of the last maybe wow. 10 years. And the other one was just the other day, Brent Schur, okay. my former colleague now off to the Daily Wire. He loved the movie a lot. And I thought to myself, well, if John Podhoritz and Brent mm-hmm. both liked it. I guess it's worth checking like, out. I would
0: like to see Oppenheimer and I still haven't seen Sound of Freedom. I would like to see that. And yeah. Into the Spider-Verse, which I loved the first one. So yeah, I think it's
1: fine. I don't really I'm kind of done with superheroes and cartoons. Yes, but I understand. I, I also heard Mission Impossible is good. Matt Continetti loved The Last Indiana Jones. I don't even know if I'm okay. allowed to share that.
0: Okay. But he
1: but he refused to tell me anything because he wants me to see. Okay. It. So okay.
0: and then lastly I have we have been watching the righteous gemstones. Oh, on HBO. Your your people, this is your people. Oh my gosh. I you know what I am? I'm that meme of sitting on the college campus, Steven Crowder. Danny McBride is a genius, change my mind. He is fantastic.
1: <laughs> oh, he's great. I
0: love everything he does. I love The offensive parts of it. I love the endearing parts of it. I think he understands parts of American culture that no other person in Hollywood understands. And that he gets to do these ridiculous productions makes me happy.
1: I think one of the keys is that he lived long enough in the real world before he became famous. And I think that's sort of like to the detriment. I'm just thinking off. Top of my head here. But if you became famous as a very young actor yes. and spent your whole life in Hollywood, it wouldn't be quite the same in terms of getting it, I think, than somebody who is actually it's like Quentin Tarantino working in, you know, the video rental, yeah. you know, stores and in uh you know movie theaters, certain kinds of movie theaters, you know, and having that connection. And in the sense of Danny McBride, you really do get a sense. As you mentioned, he's not originally from North Carolina, no. but he ended up there.
0: Now east- eastbound yeah. and down is like a trip back home for me. It's just yeah. <laughs> In the way that Jersey Shore, I'm sure, is for you. I oh, Just kidding. Man. That was hurtful. Just kidding. Ending on a bad note. No. Okay. No, I am going to ask you one more question, then we're going to close. Shoot. On. Is there an author or a genre of books that people in your peer group love that you feel like you should love that you hate? Oof. Like, like all your friends who like the same things you like are like, these, these are great books. And you read them and you say, no, 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 not for me. No,
1: I mean... When I was on the sub beacon, obviously Jonathan and Sonny Bunch were very, Jonathan Lass and Sonny Bunch were very much of the same mindset of the same kind of books about movies and things that they both love. I don't read much, many, any books about the movie business. Right. So I, I could not really relate to them on that. With my colleagues, I happen to be in agreement with the books that they like, but I'll think right off the top of my head, Matt Continetti and Andy Ferguson right. and I were we, I, I love, they love the New Yorker writers. I love the New Yorker writers. And just so we all talk about it. So I haven't gotten to that point where there uh, other groups of friends of mine are reading things that I'm not into. I will say this though, this is my one pet peeve and it's not really related, but there are certain kinds of fiction that some maybe friends or family related extended family will be like, you got to read this book. And it's just, it's, it's not for me. Yeah. I'm just going to say, that. I'm not even, I'm not even going to get into the detail I, of what the book is, but it's like fake espionage or whatever it is, or fake crime or whatever. It's fiction, but it's like, uh, you know, special unit six going in to extract whatever. I, I can't know. I'm just it's not for you. You know what I'm talking yes, about? Do. And, and, and they also think that, you know, and they read these books in a day, they read these books in a day. I, I would be still reading the introduction and they're like, you got to read this book. And I get this. All the people will give me books. Not ask me, do I want this book? Right. They're just shoving it in my hand saying, this is, it. and I'm like, oh, I guess I got to drop everything for this. And I have a stack of these books and I'm like, people, I have, I'm a slow reader and I'm so way behind on everything. I appreciate that you think of me, but I can't, I just can't get it.
0: I'm there. also not a fast reader. Two things. You reminded me that right above my head, I have a copy of Andy Ferguson's Fool's Names, Fool's Faces, which oh. is a collection of his yeah. devastating- Else, which i will now take with me on my trip so that's that's one thing on Under- those
1: are those are great yeah. because again they're you know vignettes and
0: always yeah. read andy Ferguson just to, just as a blanket rule yeah and then i was going to tell you i have the woman version of what you have which is people shoving sort of like sexy beach read or crazy rich asians was one of the genres mm-hmm. that was big a while oh, ago sure. and i kind of yeah, hate yeah. read those i was like whoo, yeah. man not sorry, that sounds offensive to you, but you know what I mean. <laughs> I know you
1: for the for the crazy Richie, Yeah, thanks a lot.
0: <laughs> I, I
1: I I will I will say the, uh, this. I'm just going to throw this out there because this it never any nothing ever came came of it. But a very long time ago, a book editor who will remain nameless had tasked me with, for whatever reason, he th- thought it would be interesting if I did a roundup review of a history. They were like volumes of erotic novels and literature, a history of erotic <laughs> yes. literature. Oh, wow. And it was like published by Carolyn Graff at the time. So it was like very serious. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I never did anything with it, but I can tell you, I mean, if that's the kind of books that people are recommending, you can always tell the ones that are written by by women.
0: Yes, this is true. Now, the, the I'm this just is the I'm most going to leave it at the that. Most, I'm going to say
1: pages and pages. Yes. I'll write already. The massage, I get it. It's a great massage. The most
0: recent sort of hotness on this front is yes. Colleen Hoover, who is like there's a, a lot of scenes in the Colleen Hoover books that are. That that the ladies enjoy. Um, Yes.
1: I love the euphemisms. I mean, I actually could write about this because I, you know, (laughs) did enough reading about it. But there's a pattern. Yes. There's a pattern they follow. And it's a formula. It's a formula that obviously works. It's targeted to women. Yes. If it was men, it would be a very short book. (laughs) But if it's, you know what I mean? You just skip so there's that you really don't need a plot. There's that kind.
0: There is there is the Nicholas Sparks genre of just very sentimental.
1: Yeah, sweet. It's everything. All
0: of those very women-centric, yeah. very popular authors whose success I both envy and respect, they're just not for me. That's <laughs> not for what, me.
1: You, you know what's great about this uh, episode, Mary Catherine? Not only is it about uh, us telling people, recommending what to read, but what not to read.
0: You know, and, and some of them are going to be like, I love those books, and that's that's fine. <laughs> That's OK. We can have, we can have a
1: conversation about
0: it. We can have a conversation <laughs> they just, about it. They just don't land with me. I got to read The Secret They're, Garden, which is another, there's another version of that title that could be very sultry. Well, are, are, yeah,
1: no, I, 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 I made a joke about this in the last Weekend Beacon. Tim Rice had reviewed a book on the, the trials of F. Scott Fitzgerald, right, mm-hmm. following, you know, the, his sort of professional downfall per se and in, 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 in talent issues after the Great Gatsby, and I, the name of the book is Taking Things Hard. I'm just going to say. There you go. And I was like, Tim, I agreed to it even before I knew what the book was about. But okay, very uh, Catherine. Don't carry have a those two titles
0: around with you. All right.
1: No. Yes. How, oh, by the way, do you, can I bring this up again? Yeah. This is one of my favorite little quick scenes of all. One of my favorite little quick scenes of all time in Train, John Hughes's trains, planes, and automobiles. Do you remember this? Mm-hmm. And I mentioned this before. Steve Martin and John Candy are stuck at the airport at LaGuardia. And Steve Martin is staring directly at John Candy, who's reading a novel. And the novel is called Canadian Mountain. (laughs) It's a picture of a woman on all fours. And it's like, it was perfect. It was a quick scene, but it was just like, that's the kind of novel he was proud to have around. Like people can see him reading.
0: All right. I'm marking that one down. And uh, and that's, I think that's our last recommendation.
1: That will be it. Mary Catherine, have a wonderful time.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you for the recommendations. And you have a great week. I'm at MK Hammer on Twitter and at MK Hammer Time on Instagram. And you can follow the show at Getting Hammered Podcast.
1: And that wraps up this episode of Getting Hammered. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and follow me on Twitter
0: at Victorina Mattis. Thank you for getting hammered responsibly. I might not be being so responsible while I'm gone. This has been a Nebulous Media Podcast.